It is nearly 12 o'clock, and time for the KMXT Midday Report. Thank you for listening to KMXT, broadcasting on 100.1 FM. It is your public radio station here in beautiful downtown Kodiak, Alaska, where we are getting a light rain fog slash mist. Out at the airport, they are showing 100% humidity, westerly winds at 3 miles per hour, and 5 miles of visibility. Coming up on the Midday Report, the Kodiak Island Borough Assembly is thinking about creating a new committee to address the island's aging medical facilities. A new control tower under construction at the Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport will be a record breaker. And officials have arrested a Seward man after he allegedly drove his car with three children inside into the Seward Boat Harbor. Those stories, plus the lease sale went through at Cook Inlet and participation was lukewarm at best. First national headlines. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Congressman Kevin McCarthy's bid to become Speaker of the House appears to be in peril. As NPR's Lexi Chappell reports, the California Republican is facing opposition from the party's most conservative wing as the vote moves on to a third ballot. McCarthy failed to secure the needed 218 votes from within his narrow House majority, as 19 members defected in the first round of voting. That sent the vote to a second ballot for the first time in 100 years. Some conservative members had come out against McCarthy after the midterm elections and have yet to be swayed. On the second ballot, the defectors unified around Representative Jim Jordan, even after Jordan himself voiced support for McCarthy. I think Kevin McCarthy is the right guy to lead us. I really do, or I wouldn't be standing up here giving this speech. McCarthy has said he will stay in the fight no matter how many ballots it takes. Lexi Chapitel, NPR News, the Capitol. Get well wishes and prayers continue to pour in for Buffalo Bills safety DeMar Hamlin, who collapsed on the field during last night's game against the Cincinnati Bengals. As NPR's Emily Olson reports, fans are also showing their support by raising money for a toy drive he started in 2020. DeMar Hanlon launched the Chasing Imp Foundation just before he was selected as a six-round NFL draft pick. After he suddenly went into cardiac arrest on Monday night, fans found a 2020 GoFundMe page for the charity, which raises money for a toy drive. Before Monday's game, the foundation had raised just a little over $2,900. But within hours of Hamlin's collapse, that number had climbed above $4 million. More than 150,000 individuals have donated so far. Hamlin's family says the money will be used for more back-to-school drives and a kid's camp in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, where the star player was raised. Emily Olson, NPR News. FTX co-founder Sam Bankman-Fried pleaded not guilty in a Manhattan court today to charges he cheated investors and lost billions in consumer investor funds. This, as federal regulators are warning banks to be careful about any business activity involving crypto assets. Here's NPR's Scott Horsley. Regulators say events of the last year have spotlighted the risks associated with crypto assets, including fraud, volatility, and the sudden loss of confidence that triggers mass exodus by crypto investors. 
The Federal Reserve, the FDIC, and the controller of the currency issued a joint statement saying it's important to safeguard the traditional banking system from these risks. Regulators say they're carefully reviewing any proposal for banks to engage in activity involving crypto assets. The statement stops short of a prohibition but says issuing crypto tokens or holding them as capital is likely inconsistent with safe and sound banking practices. Scott Horsley, NPR News, Washington. The 63-year-old man accused of carrying out the Brooklyn subway attack last April has pleaded guilty to terrorism and weapons charges. Frank James appeared in U.S. District Court today. Prosecutors say James set off smoke bombs and opened fire on a crowded train during morning commute. Twenty-three people were injured in the attack. You're listening to NPR. NPR News is brought to you in part by Providence Kodiak Island Counseling Center. For an appointment or more information, 481-2400. For KMXT, I'm Terry Haynes. The Kodiak Island Borough Assembly is mulling the creation of a new committee to address the island's aging medical facilities. Interim Borough Manager Dave Conrad pitched the idea at the Borough Assembly work session last Thursday. The Kodiak Island Providence Medical Center has areas of the facility that were built around 60 years ago and are in critical need of maintenance. Conrad says it's time the borough takes a more serious look at the future of health care for the community. We've all talked about this, but we never seem to get anywhere. Perhaps if we form this committee, this would be an impetus to do a little more focus on the hospital. Conrad says he has been in contact with Providence staff who are also interested in a committee to address the hospital's facilities. Assembly members discussed several buildings of the community interest that are in need of attention, such as the Kodiak Fisheries Research Center, but agreed that the committee needs to be focused in order to be effective. A sunset clause would also be added as part of the committee's creation. Assembly members Scott Arndt, Jared Griffin, and Jeffrey Smith were the first three to volunteer for the committee. Borough Mayor Amy Williams says this committee could serve as a model for future projects to address local infrastructure. If this is a successful model, I think it would be great to apply it to other things. Once we get those dedicated people who want to expend the time on those subjects, I think we have a power to move forward. A resolution for the committee could come up for a vote as early as the next borough meeting. The new control tower under construction at the Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport will be a statewide record breaker. Alaska Public Media's Michael Finelli has this report. Work is underway on what will be Alaska's tallest building. A new air traffic control tower is planned for the Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport. It'll stand at 306 feet. That's 10 feet higher than the current record holder, the ConocoPhillips building in downtown Anchorage. The new tower will be almost double the height of the current control tower with an expanded cab or upper viewing area that will accommodate 10 operators, while the current cab is only built for six. Ross Tim, a senior architect at Stantec, the firm recently selected by the Federal Aviation Administration to design the new tower, says the designers didn't set out to break any records. We knew it was going to be up there, um, that final height was determined by the cab eye level, so we weren't trying to achieve the tallest building in Alaska. It just so happens to be that. Tim says the FAA chose a new location and optimal height for better viewing of the entire runway complex, including the Lake Hood Seaplane Airport that it also oversees. 
He says the FAA determined the current control tower was inadequate to handle the growth in traffic, especially cargo traffic, since it was built in 1978. So the current tower wasn't built to the FAA current standards. It has uh, obsolete electronic equipment, mechanical equipment, and as well as it doesn't have nearly enough operator positions. Tim says design should be completed by May 2024, with construction expected to begin later that year. From Alaska Public Media, I'm Michael Finelli. Officials have arrested a Seward man after he allegedly drove his car carrying three children into the Seward boat harbor. Cash Christensen, 44, faces three counts of domestic violence assault and two counts of holding weapons in the third degree. Seward Police Department Sergeant Patrick Mesmer says they first received reports that a car Christensen was driving went into the harbor on Friday. And at that time, we didn't have any reason to believe that it was anything more than an accident. He says Christensen wasn't there when officers responded and that the kids in the car were safely rescued. He says police followed up with Christensen later. Information came in later, which I can't get into. That made us, you know, look into it again. On Sunday, Alaska State Troopers and Seward Police sent out an alert asking for help finding Christensen and his car, warning the children he was with might not be safe. Around 6.30 on Sunday night, they arrested Christensen on Salmon Creek Road in Seward. Police say they found the three girls who were with him and returned them safely to family. Charging documents were not available Monday due to the holiday. This is a developing story which will be updated. After months of back and forth over a high-profile oil and gas lease sale in Cook Inlet, just one company placed bids. As KDLL Sabine Pooks reports, that continues a trend of lukewarm interest from the industry in the inlet's federal waters. Hillcorp, Alaska was the sole bidder in last week's federal sale, dropping almost $64,000 on one tract in Lower Cook Inlet. The 2,000-acre tract is a small sliver of the nearly 1 million acres the Department of the Interior had put up for bid. Roger Marks says he's not surprised. He's an economist who's been watching Cook Inlet's oil and gas industry for four decades, and he says there's always been lethargic interest from companies in that part of the inlet. You know, this was the market speaking, you know, and the market, you know, was pretty knowledgeable. And I think it just just indicates that the federal outer continental shelf is just a poor place to think about developing oil and gas because of the geology. Still, the sale has been hotly contested and the auction rounds out a long saga of cancellations and rescheduling. Ultimately, the sale was written into federal law, part of the 2022 Inflation Reduction Act from Congress. Last Friday, as the clock wound down on the final days of 2022, the feds held a live reading of the results. For today's sale, Bohm received one bid on one block. The bid is, bid is for lease number Y02448. The The tract Hillcourt bought is not far from Chichitna Bay, near the west side of Lower Cook Inlet. It doesn't border existing Hillcorp properties, and it's unclear what the company wants with the tract. Hillcorp will not answer specific questions about the sale. Oil and gas companies play their cards close to their chests, so it's hard to know what they're finding when they look for gas in places like the inlet. 
But Mark says the continued lack of interest and the low price Hillcourt paid for the lease shows that the geology of the area is probably just not good. All the production that's ever occurred in Cook Inlet going back to the 1950s has been on state acreage. So the, state, the geology on the state acreage is, is good, uh, just on the federal acreage, uh, not good. Hillcorp was the sole bidder in a state sale last week, where it picked up six leases in the upper part of the inlet. Sue Mauger is executive director of Cook Inlet Keeper, one of the environmental groups that sued the feds over the sale last month, based on what they said was an incomplete environmental review process. The fact that this sale was not successful is really a positive thing for Alaska and Alaskans. She says the lack of new industry interest in both sales shows there are environmental and economic reasons both to not hold auctions there. We have a win in that we won't have new emissions coming out of Cook Inlet with new development. However, um, we have to figure out what the future is for heating our homes. Hillcorp provides South Central Alaska with most of its natural gas supply, which is used to heat homes and generate electricity. Last year, Hillcorp warned its buyers it might not have the supply to renew their contracts into the future. Mauger says the plaintiffs in the lawsuit are continuing with the suit and that they'll keep asking the Biden administration to not go forward with awarding the lease to Hillcorp. And she says long term, they hope the feds don't hold any more lease sales in Cook Inlet. In Kenai, I'm Sabine Pooks. State prosecutors say Ketchikan's police chief, while off duty, shoved a man into a stone wall and held him in a chokehold at a luxury fishing lodge in September. Jeff Walls was indicted for the alleged felony assault on Thursday. KRBD's Eric Stone has this report. In court documents, prosecutors say the alleged assault took place at the restaurant at Salmon Falls Resort, about 16 miles north of downtown Ketchikan. On the night of September 10th, a Washington state man at the restaurant was allegedly drunk and causing disturbances. At some point, according to prosecutors, the man intentionally bumped Walls' chair while he and his wife ate dinner at the restaurant's bar. The man then apologized, the two shook hands, and that was that. But prosecutors say about an hour later, the drunk Washington state man stumbled into the chair of Walls' wife, who was seated next to him at the bar, while the man was on his way to the bathroom. At that point, Walls allegedly got up from his seat, ran after the man, and attacked him, shoving him headfirst into a rock or stone wall. Prosecutors say Walls then placed the man into what witnesses described as a chokehold. Walls held the man in the chokehold for one to two minutes, according to witnesses cited in court documents. The man's face reportedly turned red and he was unable to speak. Though the incident itself was not caught on video, surveillance footage obtained by prosecutors reportedly shows multiple people pulling Walls away. But even after the two were separated, prosecutors say Walls attempted to re-engage the man, forcing those around him to restrain him again. Alaska state troopers responded to the incident. They say they found Walls apparently uninjured and the Washington state man bleeding from his head with blood on his hands. Cuts on his head required stitches, according to prosecutors. The Washington man was arrested and initially charged with assault, but prosecutors dropped the case the following month. Through his lawyer, Walls tells a slightly different story. Defense attorney Jay Hochberg told KRBD in an interview on Thursday that the man's drunken stumble left Walls and his wife bruised and in pain. He says Walls reacted appropriately. He, like any citizen of Alaska, has a right as a crime victim to use reasonable force to detain an individual who has just committed an assault. That is precisely what he did.
Hochberg answered the charges on Wall's behalf at a court hearing on Friday. Wall sat at the defense table as a handful of uniformed officers and the assistant chief looked on from the gallery. I will say just very briefly to these false and defamatory allegations, we enter a plea of not guilty and demand a jury trial. Assistant Attorney General Mark Clark is prosecuting the charges for the state's Office of Special Prosecutions, which handles high-profile cases. He asked the judge to impose a $1,000 cash bond. Mr. Walls has been indicted on a felony assault, and the state believes that similarly charged defendants, even without criminal history, would be required to post some amount of bond. And so the state believes that Mr. Walls should be required to do so as well. Clark also asked for a $10,000 unsecured bond, meaning Walls would only have to pay if he skipped future court hearings. Clark pointed out that Walls only recently moved to Ketchikan after a long career in law enforcement in New Orleans. His ties to the community here, I think, are just not strong enough to ensure that he will remain for trial without some sort of guarantee. He also asked the judge to bar Walls from contacting any witnesses except for his wife. But Hochberg, Walls' attorney, said that would be a problem. One of the witnesses is a Ketchikan police officer, one of Walls' subordinates. My client is the chief of police of the city of Ketchikan, and he maintains that position. He is able, uh, willing, and capable to continue in his employment. Uh, and uh, as of right now, he continues in his employment. Hochberg opposed the state's request for bail, saying his client was not a flight risk. There is absolutely no reason to suspect uh, that he will not come to court. Indeed, he is very interested and anxious to get into court as quickly as reasonably possible uh, to preserve and defend and protect his own reputation and show the community of Ketchikan that he has done absolutely nothing wrong. Ketchikan Superior Court Judge Catherine Lybrand decided with the defense. She declined to bar Walls from contacting most witnesses, with the lone exception of the victim. She instead ordered Walls simply not to discuss the case with witnesses. He's also barred from leaving Ketchikan without written permission. She also declined to impose bail. The court doesn't consider what, um, what other individuals have been provided in terms of bail because it's necessarily an individual determination on each case and each person's circumstances. Whether Walls will face consequences at work is unclear. His boss, Ketchikan City Manager Delilah Walsh, said the chief is currently on personal leave for the holidays and has not been suspended or placed on administrative leave. He's due to return to work on Tuesday. Essentially, our process is we will have an internal investigation and then determine if any administrative action is necessary. She says she expects the city's internal investigation to start next week, though she says she's not sure how long that'll take. Walls was hired as Ketchikan's police chief in late 2021 after a 24-year career with the New Orleans Police Department. He retired as a commander overseeing the city's central business district, which includes the popular French Quarter. He started work in Ketchikan in early 2022. Walls is due back in court in February. A trial is scheduled to begin March 13th. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. A fast decline in the U.S. manufacturing sector. I'm Novosafo with the Marketplace Minute. A measure of operating conditions in the U.S. manufacturing industry showed the steepest decline in December since May of 2020. Production was down for the second month in a row. New orders declined as well, and backlogs shrunk. On the plus side, manufacturers saw lower prices for some of the materials they need. General Electric hits a milestone tomorrow. Its health services division will begin trading as a standalone company on the NASDAQ exchange. GE has been breaking itself up since the Great Recession.
Germany today received its first regular shipment of liquefied natural gas from the United States. Russia's war in Ukraine has prompted Europe to diversify its energy imports. I'm Novasafo with the Marketplace Minute. This is the Island Messenger, a look at personal messages, the weather, and community announcements. Good afternoon and welcome to your Island Messenger for Tuesday. It is the third day of January, the year 2023. Sun rose today at 9.52. It will set again at 4.36. That will give us six hours and 44 minutes of glorious daylight a gain of 1 minute and 52 seconds compared to yesterday. Our record high for this date was 48 degrees. That was set in 1950. And our record low was minus 6, set in Chile, Chile, 1917. Currently 33 degrees under a light rain fog mist. It's a little chilly outside, but not too windy. They have winds from the west at 3 miles per hour right now at the airport. 100% humidity and 5 miles of visibility. The weather service is calling for scattered rain showers until 3 this afternoon, followed by rain and snow showers, mostly cloudy for the rest of the day with high near 38, east winds to 10, turning to the north this afternoon. For tonight, rain showers are likely before 9, then rain and snow between 9 and 3, then rain and snow showers after 3 a.m. Cloudy skies overnight with a low around 34, Northwest winds to 20. And for tomorrow, scattered rain and snow showers, mostly cloudy skies tomorrow with a high near 37. West winds to 20, turning to the south to 10 tomorrow afternoon. Look for scattered snow showers on Wednesday night. Looking at our local tides, we have a low tide coming up here on the east side at 621 this evening. That will be a zero-foot tide, followed by a high tide at exactly 1 a.m., of 6.4 feet, and our low tide for tomorrow morning will be at 5.38 in the morning and be 3.7 feet here on the east side. Over on the west side, your low tide will happen at 6.44 this evening and be minus two-tenths in Larson Bay, followed by a high tide at 1.11 a.m. of 10.9 feet, and your low tide for tomorrow morning on the west side will be at 6.29 tomorrow morning and be a five-foot tide. Mariners, here's your forecast for Marmot Island to Sitkanak, Kodiak's east side offshore. Small craft advisory through tomorrow. Northeast 20 today, seas to 9 feet. For tonight, west 20, except north 25, north of Dangerous Cape, seas to 10 feet. And for tomorrow, southwest 25, seas to 10 feet on our east side. Over in the Shelikov Strait, a gale warning for tonight. Variable 10 will become northeast 20 this afternoon. Four-foot seas will build to 6 feet in the afternoon. And for tonight, north wind increasing to 35 knots, except for variable 15 south of Katmai Bay. Seas to 10 feet. And for tomorrow in the Shelikov, southwest 20 seas to 5 feet, going to variable 10 tomorrow night. Seas coming down to 3 feet in the Shelikov tomorrow night. Well, 
Tomorrow is the day that the Alaska Marine Safety Education Association is conducting its two-day fishing vessel drill conductor class. If you've ever taken one, you know how interesting and exhaustive they are. And it's a great opportunity. It goes on tomorrow and the next day between 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. with drills and a pool session because they are allowed out at the base now for the first time in a couple of years. Most of the classes will be at the Kodiak Seafood and Marine Science Center over on Near Island. The cost for the class is absolutely free for the Kodiak Commercial Fishing Fleet. So if you have one person on your boat prior to this upcoming season that you'd like to send to the class, it won't cost you a penny, and you will have a certified Coast Guard drill conductor to do safety drills on your vessel. You can register online at www.amc.org, that's A-M-S-E-A dot O-R-G, or call them up at 907-747-3287. But do that today. The classes start tomorrow. Here are some of the upcoming Kodiak Island Borough public meetings. Today at 5.30 p.m., the Women's Bay Service Area will be having their regular board meeting. That will be happening in the Women's Bay Fire Hall at 5.30. On Thursday, the Assembly will be having their regular meeting in the Borough Assembly Chambers at 6.30 p.m. On January 11th, the Planning and Zoning Commission will be having a work session. That's happening at the Borough Assembly Chambers. And then the next day, next Thursday, January 12th, The Assembly will be having a work session in the Borough Assembly Chambers at 6.30 p.m. All meetings are open to the public, and the meeting packets are available on the Kodiak Island Borough website. Contact the Borough Clerk's Office at 907-486-9310 with any questions. The Assembly and and City Council Joint Work Session is scheduled for Wednesday, January 18th. The next Assembly regular meeting is Thursday, January 19th. And the next assembly work session will be Thursday, January 26th. Assembly meetings are all live streamed at the Kodiak Island Borough YouTube channel. All you have to do is subscribe to get live stream notifications. Coming up at the Kodiak Public Library, tomorrow at 3.30 p.m., the library offers their famous Lego Club. Children under 10 must be accompanied by an adult, but adults are welcome. 3.30 tomorrow. Thursdays at 10.30 a.m., the library hosts their Lapsit Storytime. It's for babies 0 to 3 and their adults. Join volunteer Abby Hanna to share a story and a song with some quality time to play and socialize. Library hours are Mondays, Fridays, and Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., Tuesdays and Thursdays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., and their phone number is 907-486-8686. The Coast Guard Marine Safety Detachment in Kodiak would like to remind pot fishermen to consider the stability of your vessel when loading crab and cod pots. Stacking the pots changes the center of gravity, and that affects the stability, especially in icing conditions. Personnel from the Coast Guard Safety Office in Kodiak will be walking the docks providing voluntary safety compliance checks with an emphasis on stability. You can also contact them at 907-486-5918, or just stop by their office in the subway building downtown if you have any questions. Alaska Youth for Environmental Action is excited to announce that applications are open for the 2023 Civics and Conservation Summit. 
The Civics and Conservation Summit allows young leaders from communities across the state to bring their concerns directly to the Alaska State Legislature. They will learn how to advocate for the issues that matter to them and have their voices heard in Juneau. Alaskans aged 13 through 18 from across the state are encouraged to apply, and community members are encouraged to nominate the power, powerhouse youth leaders of their community. Applications are open now, and support for travel and housing is available. Apply by January 7th, please. Learn more and apply or nominate a team by visiting their website. That's at aiea.org. KMXT's new calendars are in. If you're a current member, stop by and pick up your free copy. Additional copies can be had for $15, and non-members can also pick up copies for $20. They're beautiful calendars, and we'd like to thank all of the local photographers who submitted this year. A special thanks to those who had their entries picked for the calendar. The city is looking for people to serve on advisory boards and commissions. That includes the Building Code Board of Appeals, They're looking for two impending positions with terms ending December 31st, 2025. And to to be on the Building Code Board of Appeals, you need to have uh, training to pass upon matters pertaining to building construction. The Historic Preservation Commission is also looking for two commissioners. One commissioner is needed who resides in the city and has demonstrated interest in or knowledge of historic preservation, history, anthropology, and or architecture, with a term ending December 31st, 2024. And they also need a commissioner who may reside outside the city to fill their professionally designated position of anthropologist as required by the National Park Service regulations for a term ending December 31st, 2025. Also, the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board is looking for some members, quite a few actually. Parks and Rec Board is probably the most fun and interesting board to serve on. They need four positions with a term ending December 31st, 2025, two positions with a term ending December 31st, 2024, and two alternate positions with a term ending December 31st, 2023. They're also looking for an ex officio United States Coast Guard position and an ex officio student position with terms set at appointment. In addition to that, they're looking for somebody to, to serve on the personnel board, three vacant positions, Applicants must reside within Kodiak city limits to serve on the personnel board. Listen for the Island Messenger here on Public Radio KMXT three times a day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m., during the midday report at 1220, and in the evening at 7 o'clock. If you have a community announcement or personal message, including lost and found items or pets, you can call KMXT at 486-3181, fax us at 486-2733, or email psa at kmxt.org.